Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So with gratitude, we gather to worship him tonight. My name is Al Brady, and I'm so delighted you've joined me. As always, my prayer is that you will be blessed both by the word and the music. Would you hear now, please, the reading of God's word? It comes from Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the believers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul decided not to take with them one who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not accompanied them in the work. The disagreement became so sharp that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and set out the believers commending him to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Silica, strengthening the churches. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for a moment of prayer? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, which are thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. Whenever I do premarital counseling, I always include the following. First of all, role expectation, and is it realistic? Role expectation, and is it realistic? And then a good theology of marriage. What do the psychologists and sociologists say about marriage? The importance of communication and commitment. And then we talk about conflict and disagreement and how you handle them. Now, if both partners in a marriage are thinking persons, and one is not a non-thinking robot, there's bound to be some disagreement in that marriage. The question is, how do we handle it? What do we do about it? Hear me now. Whether it's marriage, business, sports, world affairs, personal relationships, or whatever, in any situation, there's bound to be disagreement. The question is, how do we handle it? What do we do about our disagreement? I'd like for us to begin by taking a look at our scripture lesson. At the close of chapter 15 of Acts, we find a parting of Paul and Barnabas, a separation of the ways. Now you remember that this was a dynamic duo in terms of mission work throughout the area. They were establishing churches everywhere. These churches were prospering because they were known as church developers. They were absolutely magnificent. But then they went to Antioch, Antioch the great mission hub, and they rested for a while, but then they were called to come to Jerusalem to help settle issues of circumcision and the Gentiles. After that, they went back to Antioch, and we're told that they preached and taught the Word of God. Then Paul said to Barnabas, he said, why don't we go back and visit those churches we started sometimes back and see how they're doing? Barnabas said, that is a great idea, and we can take John Mark with us. Paul said, no, John Mark is not going. Oh, yes, he is, said Barnabas. Not a chance, said Paul. And so they continued to debate until finally this disagreement led to a separation and they parted. The issue here was John Mark's faithfulness in the past. In the last mission, he had deserted them, so Paul said, and had not helped them in the mission. He was interested in trying to get people who were faithful to the mission. But Barnabas said, well, God gives second chances. I'd like to offer John Mark a second chance. And so, as I said, they debated the issue until finally they parted. 
and left each other's company. Now, what can we learn out of this situation about dealing with disagreement? How can we handle our disagreements? This is what we want to talk about here today and tonight. First of all, we can remember the importance of prayer. We can remember the importance of prayer. You remember, Paul was a man of outstanding characteristic and high standards. He felt like John Mark had let him down, so consequently his high standards kept him from wanting to take Mark with them. He felt like that Mark would be a hindrance to the cause. And so, as I said, he and Barnabas got into it, and that led to separation. But I want you to listen to this. Nowhere, I repeat, nowhere in Luke's gospel do we find that Paul and Barnabas got down on their knees and prayed about it. They prayed to the Holy Spirit, and they would hear the Holy Spirit say, Leave John Mark here. Nowhere did they get on their knees and pray to God about the situation, about partying and going off to try to witness for Christ. In other words, they never got down on their knees and prayed about the situation. These were great servants of God, but they never prayed about their disagreement. Even Paul had said in the past these words, Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let your request be made known to God. But as I said, they never bothered to get on their knees and pray to God about their disagreement. The late Bishop Emerson Colaw wrote in his book on Methodism these words, and I hope you'll hear these words. Modern science and industry have done a great deal to overcome barriers of time and distance, but many people still face each other across formidable obstacles of race and religion, of interest and education, of ideals and ideas, unable to communicate and cooperate because such obstacles persons find themselves unwillingly involved in incidents of hatred and bloodshed. How different it is when men and women are sincerely praying for each other. Last Saturday in the Atlanta Journal, there was an article, it was titled, Choose Words Carefully to Avoid Hurting Others. The author, who was a Patricia Holbrook, said that whenever she got into a question and answer session with somebody, she always prayed in advance because she said, prayer can diffuse situations that might develop from our words. Bill Curry, the former coach of Georgia State football team, he told about a situation he had with Vince Lombardi, the great football coach who was a very winning coach, to say the least. Curry played football for Lombardi. They had their differences, and their relationship was strained through the years. Well, Curry heard that Lombardi was in the hospital facing a terminal illness, so somebody persuaded Curry to go see Lombardi, and when he went in, Curry apologized. He said, I'm sorry I said things about you I shouldn't have said. He said, you've meant a lot to my life. But then Lombardi said to him, he said, you can mean a lot to my life if you pray for me. Curry said he learned a lot about forgiveness in that moment. But did you notice, as far as their disagreement was concerned, they were about the business of prayer. Prayer has a lot to do with our disagreement. There was a fellow by the name of, of uh, Howard Thurman. He told a story of a 90-year-old woman who was a member of a church for 50 years. It seems like in her church nobody liked the minister. The minister wanted to stay. Everybody wanted him to go, but he was staying. So one afternoon, this woman, who was a member of the church for 50 years, took her concerns to God in prayer. 
She prayed all afternoon about it. She told him everything about her life as long as she had been in that church. And then she told uh, him about the situation with the minister. And finally, when she finished, she said, Lord, there are the facts. Do with them as you please. I have no suggestions to make. What do you think would have happened if Paul and Barnabas had got down on their knees and they had prayed to God concerning their disagreement? It may be that they would never have parted. And then secondly, we can seek to understand the other person's viewpoint. We can seek to understand the other person's viewpoint. In a Peanuts cartoon, Charlie Brown is being chased around the room by Violet. She said, I'm going to get you, Charlie Brown. I'm going to get you. I'm going to sock you. Well, Charlie Brown finally stopped running. He turned around, and with all maturity, he said, hold on, wait a minute. He said, if we as children cannot agree to solve our difficulties, what if? And then she socked him and put him to the ground. She said this. She said he was beginning to make sense. Therefore, I had to hit him. That's the way it is with a lot of closed-minded people. They're going to go ahead and hit you. You see, they don't want to see what the other person's viewpoint is all alike. And so consequently, there's always problem in that relationship. Always problem in that relationship. There can be no reconciliation if we don't stop to try to understand the other person's point of view. No reconciliation if we don't stop and try to understand the other person's point of view. And if we're going to understand the other person's point of view, it means we're going to have to listen. A mother took a little daughter to a department store looking for a doll. They looked at all these dolls, and the little girl's question was always, was, what does this doll do? The mother would say, well, she walks, she talks, she cries, she sings. But the prices of these dolls were absorbent. So the mother thought, I'll just divert my daughter's attention to an ordinary doll so I can have a more reasonable price. The girl always asked, what does the doll do? The mother said, this doll does something that's absolutely fantastic. She listens. The little girl immediately reached for the doll, and so do we. We reach for the doll as well. Will Willimon tells about a retired army colonel who was considering joining the church. But this army colonel saw in the paper that the United Methodist Church position against the draft was against the draft. He became angry. He called Willimon up and he said, I don't know that I want to be a part of a church that says things that I don't agree with. Willimon said, then why don't you just read the social principles of United Methodist Church? This retired colonel agreed. He did. He called him back a week later and he said, you know, I still have a problem with the position on the draft. There are other things that made me even madder. And he said, but there's some things that made me happy. He said, but that's not the point. The point is that the church is taking a stand and trying to urge me to take a stand, wanting me to act and be a Christian. He said, I want to be a part of that kind of church. Well, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be a part of that kind of church? And then I remember one man said, I think it was Chuck Swindoll, he said there are three things necessary if we are going to really understand another person's point of view. He said there's first of all honesty, objectivity, and humility. And these three things are not natural things. They are always the result of the spirit-filled life. Honesty, objectivity, and humility. These are the things that are necessary if we are to understand another person's point of view. And then thirdly, we can disagree without being disagreeable. This is one of the most amazing things about this split up between Paul and Barnabas. Here we have Paul writing about the churches, but he never said a bad word against Barnabas. 
Here we have Barnabas never downgrading Paul. They had a serious disagreement. They were at each other's throats, but they never criticized each other. They had a different kind of situation. In other words, they were not disagreeable even though they disagreed and how important that is for us. Len Sweet, who was a great church sociologist, was speaking to the 17th World Methodist Council meeting, which was held in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And one of the things he said was this. He said, build a bridge and get over it. Isn't it amazing how many people were going to keep uh, pestering and keep festering this idea of some hurt that they perceived has been done against them? These people never want to get over it. They never want to help other people get over it. They'd rather be miserable, and they'd rather continue to be disagreeable about all things. What a tragedy that is. Our Methodist founder, John Wesley, urged Methodists to be Catholic and universal as we treat one another, to treat one another with respect and kindness and to listen to one another. And then there was the slogan of Methodism that came up, and this is what it says. It says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity, in all things, charity. How important that is. Samuel Johnson made this statement, kindness is in our power, fondness is not. In other words, kindness and charity wills to do something, it doesn't feel it. It wills to do something for somebody else, whether we like them or not. You know, I like the story of the young minister who went to the church where they had a lot of problems. It seems that they shouted all the time. And there was a group that shouted when they stood up and a group that shouted when they sat down. It was a real problem. In the services, one group would stand up and another group would say, sit down, sit down. And then that group would retaliate and say, stand up, stand up. Well, finally the minister had had it. He couldn't take that any longer. So he went to see the founding pastor of the church. He was about 90 years of age. And he said, listen, what is the tradition? Standing or sitting, the people continue to yell at one another. The founding pastor said, that is the tradition. Well, let me tell you something, beloved. That's not our tradition. We don't have to shout at each other. As a matter of fact, we don't need to do that to be heard and to be God's kind of servant as we listen to one another. So we can agree not to be disagreeable even if we disagree. And then fourthly, we can look for a way of compromise. We can look for a way of a compromise. A politician was asked what he felt about a certain issue. He said, well, some of my friends are for it, some of my friends are against it. And he said, as far as I'm 